Hello there and welcome to episode 6 of the Hawthorns Debate Club. My name is Jamie Clay and I am joined every week by two gentlemen to have a few conversations and discussions about West Bromwich Albion. So let me start by saying a warm hello to my good friend Alex Collins. Oh yeah. And hello to my little brother Joe Clay. Hello. Guys, let me start by saying we made it. If you're listening right now to this podcast, we did it. You see, I don't want to be overly dramatic or get emotional starting the podcast today, but the last few weeks has felt a little bit like a, a scene from a film. You know, the one where someone is crawling through a desert, trying to get back to civilization, and the sun is beating down and they're getting burnt. They've tied a shirt around their head. The vultures are circling and they're slowly getting weaker and weaker and more and more desperate. But just when it seems like all hope is gone, they strain their eyes ahead and then they finally see in the distance the hazy, shimmering image of Valerian Ishmael on the horizon. And they realize somehow they've made it. We have survived. Now, maybe that was a tad dramatic, but if last week's show was all about the apocalyptic meltdown going on at the Albion, this week has a very different vibe altogether. New pod legend and Joe's best friend, Ken, has been leading Albion on some sort of redemption story, targeting young, exciting managerial prospects, ready to splash the cash on some compensation. And sure, there were some days of silence. Days without news, but it all climaxed just a few hours ago when Albion announced a juicy new manager. And even better for this podcast, perhaps this is more of a personal thing, he's French but steeped in German football philosophy. So, Guten Tag, Monsieur Ismael. But before we get to all of the high fiving and discussing, first let me say, Thank you for downloading and listening to the Hawthorns Debate Club today. We value you immensely. Your love and support are what fuel us all daily. Without it, we are just husks. But we really, really enjoy making this podcast and have loved getting your messages and hearing from you guys, all of your support and encouragement. So please continue to listen, tell your friends and family about the podcast. I've had a few more ideas this week about the engineering of situations in your life to listen to this podcast. Perhaps this week, suggest listening to it as a family over dinner or if you have a significant other, what better way to spice up date night than by lighting some candles, opening a bottle of wine and listening to this podcast together. The guys aren't impressed. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> to business. In this episode, we will be discussing Valerian Steele Ishmael and his four-year long-term deal at the Albion. Little Game of Thrones reference there for you. Super Ken and his lack of experience getting the job done with speed and style points. The championship fixture list is out and some potential transfer targets. Now we have a manager. And finally, England and the round of 16. So... Let's kick off today with the news that broke earlier that Albion have finally appointed a manager. It's been about six weeks of limbo following Sam Allardyce leaving the club after a short stay in charge. We've gone from the doldrums and meltdown last week to some genuine excitement and enthusiasm this week. Football is fickle, isn't it? I've been reminded of that, especially this last few days. So Valerian Ishmael joins us after we agreed to pay a contract release fee of £2 million from Barnes. Barnsley. He joins us after taking Barnsley from 21st in the championship to fifth last season in a playoff place where they were knocked out by Swansea. He's managed in Germany and Austria. He had a particularly successful spell at LASK. I think I'm saying that right. Otherwise, it's L-A-S-K. It's all capitals, whatever you guys want to make of that. Apologies if you're listening from LASK. Um, you have to shout it, Jamie. <laughs> So, guys, that was a little bit brief whistle-stop Wikipedia tour of Valerian Ishmael's career up until this point. But I guess the most obvious question to begin our podcast is today, what do you make of the news that Valerian Ishmael is our new manager, Al? I'm absolutely delighted with the appointment of Ishmael. You know, it shows a bit of desire from Ken and the board to sort of develop a vision and a long-term plan. It's pretty obvious to me that he's been listening to Paul Sharner and our podcast because <laughs> uh, we did suggest that last week. So shout out to Ken. Um, Hi, Ken. <laughs> but yeah, um, 
I'm, I'm really happy with it. I, I like his style of football, his, his experience. He did a tremendous job at Barnsley last season. You know, I'm quite looking forward to a fit team and also, you know, some more exciting football, hopefully. Yeah, I, I'm totally the same, uh, Alex. I'm really, really excited about having Ishmael here. Like, again, with the fitness, our team are going to be, you know, it's going to be exciting. We haven't seen this type of football down the Albion, I don't think, in my lifetime anyway. The Gagan press anyway. I always look at the responses. And I think I mentioned this in the previous podcast about the Huddersfield fans. But I always look at the responses and the social media of Barnsley fans and they're upset he's gone. He said he's brilliant. He's absolutely brilliant. So I think we've stolen a manager who's an up-and-coming manager. I think that's what excites me as well most about this is that he definitely seems to be an up-and-coming manager. He's young. He's got a certain style of playing that is attractive. It's exciting. I'm genuinely buzzing. I mean, David Wagner... You know, I don't want people to think that I'm just blowing whichever way the wind goes. I, I thought Dave Viner was, but I have to be totally truthful. I am way more on board with Valerian Ishmael than all of the potential prospects that we've kind of discovered and discussed. Not discovered, we didn't discover anyone, but we discussed them at least on this podcast. And all of the available options that were out there. I mean, we were talking about it last week. I know a lot of it was kind of people trolling Albion fans with Pulis talk and Warnock talk, but even beyond the kind of joke and memes that were being suggested, the, the list of names that were left over. There were no names out there particularly that were getting me excited. And so from amidst that chaos and amidst that mess for Valerian Ishmael to kind of rise out and uh, ready to rescue us, I, I'm really pleased with that. I think he's got a look of Craig David with his go-to. I just think yes. <laughs> I really do. And I like that. Craig David. That's, what look at, that's what I look for in a manager, to be honest. You know, he's definitely got style, hasn't he? I think he'd, he wouldn't look out of place at a European fashion week. It's funny, actually. I believe I read something somewhere at some point, which is really non-specific, so you can't really follow up on this, how much managers who are better looking, who dress better, have a kind of a greater degree of success, a popularity at least with fans. Hence Jurgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola being on the more attractive end of things, shall we say. And Roy Hodgson. Roy, Roy Hodge, I mean, Roy Hodgson is a looker. He, he, a player, he, isn't he? he pulls fans in. I don't even know what I was just about to ask you guys. Oh, yeah. We were talking about... So we're doing a little bit of research into Valerian Ishmael. Obviously, some of you will have been following Championship Football last season, perhaps have seen some of the play of Barnsley in the playoffs. There's lots of stuff circulating out there, articles released by different people, Steve Magley, Joe Massey. I just guess one to put it onto our podcast as well, guys. What can we expect to see from Valerian Ishmael next season? So Valerian Ishmael is renowned for a, a direct football approach which means that there's going to be intense pressing, a lot of running, very energetic, very fit players. It's the kind of style that's become almost like flavour of the year. There's a lot of German managers coming into the Premiership, like Jurgen Klopp and Husenthal, I think his name is, from Southampton. You yeah. might have pronounced it wrong. Um, and also Pep Guardiola, you know, he's probably the most famous manager who, you know, probably does play this style of football, at least to win the ball back. He certainly um, plays like aggressive pressing from the front, I know that much, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's what it's all about, Jamie. It's uh, pressing from the front, trying to force defenders into mistakes, you know, really like energetic performance. But I suppose that the danger of this style of football is that you leave gaps. So if they break the press, then mm. it, it leaves us. Yeah, don't uh, worry about that. We were, don't worry about that. We were doing that anyway last year. So it's, we were making <laughs> gaps and making mistakes. So we were outplaying that. So. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, you know, it's a lot more exciting, something to look forward to, I think. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, to be honest. Like I said previously, it's not we haven't played this type of football before. That's what excites me. He excites me as a manager, but it's exciting to see a different way of football. Is that because he looks like Craig David? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you know, it's nice to go down the Albion and watch a different type of football. We've, we've had managers who tried tiki-taki, like Mowbray and stuff like that. We haven't had so much direct football except long ball, which is the most direct this is nice to have a different type of football, different manager with a vision of going forward and getting us promoted. 
I like buzzwords that surround football. I like, if there's kind of like a football lexicon, I like to try and get all those new hype terms that are going around. And Gegenpress has been around for, I don't know, five or six years now, as Alex said, popularised by Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool and Dortmund. I guess when he came to Liverpool, it kind of became more mainstream here. This idea of counter-pressing and the fact that if anyone's played football manager, I always love to try and get my Barnet side to play Gegenpress to get us up the leagues. Uh, and then this other start this idea of this very direct football he plays and I guess you can watch some bits of Barnsley this year and someone compared it a little bit to like a volleyball match where they're just launching the ball at different points but he likes to play what he describes himself as a vertical football rather than long ball and this idea of moving the ball up the pitch as quickly as possible and trying to get back possession as high up the pitch as close to the opposition's goal as possible in order to create chances the idea being that the closer you are to their goal when you retrieve the ball the less amount of passes there is to create a chance. And uh, I think it was Jürgen Klopp who famously said that if you have the Gegenpress system in play, it kind of negates the need for a number 10 or a playmaker. So, yeah, I've been reading Steve Madeley's uh, articles from The Athletic and one quote, he plays direct football, intense pressing and an inspirational leader. And I think that last one, the inspirational leader, is something that we've lacked for a long time. I think Bilic was a bit of inspirational, but he was a best friend as well. I yeah. can't see Valerian being that best friend as well. He's going to be getting him into shape. He's like a, a combination. This is a horrible combination of Bilic and Sam Allardyce into one. Yeah. Not yeah. the tactics. I feel that. Yeah. yeah, not the tactics, but his leadership. Yeah. That's there's really loads, exciting, man. Yeah, totally. There's loads of positives there. And I think that is the modern manager, isn't it? There's that knowledge of how the game is played and a deep understanding. It seems that every single one of these coaches that emerges from Germany over the last decade or so has got these real kind of this academic intellectual way of thinking about football. They're not just former players who were the loudest ones on the pitch. They have this in-depth insight and knowledge of how they want to play the game and, and they want to communicate that as well. And I guess the modern manager then, as well as being this tactician and fitness coach, is they've got to know that balance between when to put their arm around a player, which again, a lot of people say this, and some football players need an arm around their shoulder and some need kind of a kick yeah. up. And so Valerian Ishmael seems to me like if he is this inspirational leader, as everyone suggests, that he's probably a guy that kind of worked that out. So rather than having a big Sam who has one approach or a, a Slav who had another approach, um, he seems, I hope, like you're saying, to have a combination of the two. Yeah, let's let's hope he doesn't do what he did at that team where he lasted uh, like <laughs> a couple of weeks because <laughs> he fell out with them straight away. Joseph Massey, yeah, or Joe Massey, whatever you want to call him. I like him. how you call he him wrote, Joseph Massey. It's only because on Twitter he goes under Joseph Massey. But yeah, Mr. Joseph so Massey. He, he um, wrote an article about players who would fit into that type of gag and pressing, high press type of football style with Valerian Ishmael. Who do you think would fit into that at the team, the current squad? So I think uh, Pereira, Dean Garner, Carlin Grant, Callum Robinson. You've got your, your two fullbacks, Furlong and Townsend. And I think a Joy in Bartley could do it, perhaps even O'Shea. So I think we do have a few players. I think we lack a central midfield. Um, so the whole squad? <laughs> no, I think they, <laughs> or the whole squad, except for those in central midfield, I think could fit into the Gagan Press model. Um, I know it's a slightly different structure as well. It's not necessarily a 4-4-2. It's usually a 3-4-3 or a 4-3-3. But I, th- I, th- I think we have got a, quite a few players that would fit into it that quite pacey. Perhaps they need to work a bit more on their stamina pressing over a long period of time but you know I think we have got quite a good good squad to, to fit into this structure we just need like a, a Conor Gallagher and perhaps uh, you know somebody a bit more defensive yeah I mean like, uh, like a Brazilian playmaker <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> you've named players there I'm, I'm trying to think who's left like Sam Johnson, I think, would kill it in the Gagan Press. <laughs> no, I think, like you say, there's there's players in our squad. Um, none of them necessarily leap out as being players that necessarily suit that style of play. Maybe uh, there's a couple of them. <laughs> yeah, potentially. I mean, none of them kind of immediately leap off the page as being players suited to that. Whether they can adapt and learn it, like you say, the fullbacks potentially for me would be two of the main ones, Furlong and Townsend. I think that leap out to mind. I think the midfield is obviously one of the biggest areas of weakness, the central midfield at least that is. 
Pereira, whether we could keep him, perhaps he's a, a good player that could fit into that kind of style that he wants to play. Um, I think it's pretty obvious to me that if we are to play this style of play successfully, we need to have significant recruitment, bringing players who either one, know how to play this way or to have already played this way or an ability to learn it at least. So I think that's kind of where more or less I stand. One of the things that has kind of stood out to most to helping fans, I guess, over the last nine days or so since Luke Dowling has stepped down is the kind of emergence of the best Ken in the world since Street Fighter. Ken or Zhu Chi, Chief Executive of the Albion. And we're coming on to a section of our notes that we've entitled here, Ken's Masterstroke, question mark. He released a statement today after the appointment of Valerian Ishmael. Uh, I'm just going to share a, a sentence from that that we found particularly interesting, or two and a bit sentences. I'm confident that by working together, we will be able to achieve our goal of returning to the Premier League. But success is earned by building on strong foundations, and our plans must now look further into the future. For too long, we have focused only on what is immediately in front of us, this means we have often neglected our long-term aspirations. I think it's like Alex said earlier, it almost sounds like the kind of language that Paul Sharna was using. For me, I've been so impressed with Ken. It's been one of the things that stood out to me about this Valerian Ishmael deal. Obviously, we've heard from various sources that Luke Dowling very much wanted to target an older manager someone who was experienced chris wilder was obviously his main candidate with luke dowling off the scene ken has clearly made a, a beeline for valerian ishmael there's also talk about marco silver as a potential backup option but what have you guys made of ken's activity in the last week as chief executive for someone who was said had no experience of this whatsoever no footballing men as we talked about last week in the building He's done a really impressive job for me. He's my pal. He is. <laughs> I told you. I told you last week. He's a brilliant guy. I think he's planned this all. He's, he's, he's got the football knowledge. He's planned this all. Push everybody else out and I'll show what he's got. He is the masterstroke. We were talking about his statement when Dowling left and stuff like that. And we thought it was a bit on an iron around it. But this is a great statement. This shows you the vision, the strategy, what he wants to put in. Maybe it's only a strategy to uh, like and sell. But in the end of the day, he's putting those foundations, like he said, into place. And if Lai sells in a season or two and we get up to the Premiership at the end of the next season, he's he's helped us do that. It's not yeah, short term, like he said. Yeah, it's absolutely music to my ears, Ken's statement. I think following up on that poor statement when Dowling left, I think this is just, it fills me with such confidence that he's, he's taken a grip of the situation and He's hoping to turn things around and he's, he's, he's looking to the, the long term and it's exciting now all of a sudden. Just one one message like that and now I feel mm. quite excited about the future. And I'm sure a number of Baggies fans would follow me with that sentiment. Well, I put a tweet out today and we got some responses which agree with what we were just discussing. So uh, we've got a couple of, but I'll take Yo Commander's uh, tweet and he's said, I'm thrilled with Ken's statement as I'm with, Val, as I'm with Val's appointment. Time will tell with both but I'm a whole lot happier slash more positive right now than I was a month or two ago. Looking forward to it. It's basically the sum up of our podcast at the moment. A couple of weeks ago, we were going through turmoil. Now we've got some vision with a statement like that. We've got a manager that instills confidence, mm. even though he's been in for probably two, three hours. More <laughs> yeah. confidence I've had in a, in a manager. <laughs> it's more confidence I've had in the manager since Tony Mowbray. <laughs> it's going back ages. So, yeah, it's, it, I think everybody's on the same. It's just that turmoil stopped. I think it's one of the things we said about when the initial David Wagner appointment was made. Okay, it's, it wasn't potentially the most exciting candidate, but it was done and you could start to look ahead now. Valerian Ishmael obviously ticks so many more boxes than David Wagner, but it's done also. Now we can start to look ahead of us. And if you guys... Want to tweet at us? You will read it out. So if you want to get in contact with us, we will we'll share different bits of the podcast. Uh, and if you affirm what we believe, there's much more chance of us doing that. If you disagree with us, um, less chance. <laughs> Is that fair? <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Anything else stand out to you guys about Ken? I would just. I think it's really it's a really bold move, isn't it, to appoint Ishmael? Um, you know, he spent 
two million pounds on it on him. Mm. No, it's really encouraging. So I'm I'm so pleased. So hats off to, to Ken. Thanks, Ken. Hats off, Ken. Yeah, I read it. I read it. It's the first time we've paid compensation since D. Mateo. Yeah, D. Mateo. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I think the four-year contract as well. For me, that's really interesting because obviously it's in everyone's mind that Guacan Lai is looking to sell as soon as possible. But the four-year contract, I know he probably still wants to sell. It doesn't change anything about his motivation to sell the club. But the fact that there is a long-term plan, he still has an interest in Albion. For me, it says it's in his best interest for Albion to do well. Obviously, the more we progress and the more we advance and if we get promoted, we become a more saleable asset for him. So I think for me as well, it's helped kind of put to bed a little bit of this Guac and Lai hates Albion and doesn't want us to succeed. And he's the, the biggest hurdle we have to overcome to success. Ken, his mate, who's he's put in position at the Albion, who's kind of the touch point touching base point for that's not a phrase the place where china and albion kind of cross over and he's proven to be really in nine days been able to do what a lot of fans wanted luke dowling to do in five weeks it's clearly that ken has got a vision he has got a, the means by which to kind of execute on that vision i'm seriously impressed with ken i think out of all of this as exciting as it is about valerian ishmael the emergence of super ken is for me really kind of another feather in the cap for this whole situation yeah, I do worry though. Are we sort of jumping the gun a bit right here? Are we Night getting a bit him. too excited? <laughs> I, I want to say, <laughs> no, I, 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 I feel like we haven't jumped the gun here at all. In fact, I think we're being fairly muted. I think Ken is the savior of West Bromwich Albion. <laughs> oh, hail Ken. I love how you say he was Lai's mate as well. He's like, he's like, he's probably like, if Lai was listening to that, he'd be like, he's not my mate. <laughs> so all in all, this seems to be really positive and great news circulating around the Albion. Well done to Ken. Welcome. Welcome in. Bienvenue. Is that French? It's bonjour, isn't it? Bonjour. Guten Tag. Herr Monsieur Ishmael Valerian. He actually has a Twitter account. King of the community, Alex has wrote in our notes, which is brilliant. Feel free to go and welcome him on behalf of the Hawthorns Debate Club. Let's all get behind the guy and let's not get too downbeat if we don't win every single game and start hating on the dude. Let's go and give him welcome into the club. So yeah, feel free to bombard him with messages of support from us lovely Albion fans. Let's move on. We've been doing over the last few weeks, looking at potential transfer targets for the club, ins and outs. We've talked an awful lot about outs. We've kind of mentioned an awful lot about Pereira Um, in the last week or so. Joe Massey, again, for the Express and Star, has produced some reporting uh, and it was on their Baggies Broadcast podcast as well. They kind of largely dismissed a lot of the rumours circulating around Mateus Pereira anything below kind of 30 million is kind of widely being dismissed as almost nonsense now Albion see him and value him much more highly than that and it's going to take a sizable offer to prize him off our hands and ultimately he is on a three-year contract so hopefully that will mean that we'll either have Mateus Pereira present for a promotion campaign or he's going to take an awful lot of money to shift us on our position presently. But over the last few weeks, like I said, we've been targeting different players that are potentially incomings. With the appointment of Valerian Ishmael now, it kind of narrows down the type of player we're going to be looking at. What player that I think that would fit in like a glove would be uh, Alex Mowat. Oh, yes. Um, you know, he's a free agent on the 1st of July. You know, he's got history with the manager. So if we can get hold of him, I think we'll, you know, very pleased. But I, I don't know if he's too good for us, whether he's sort of bottom of the table premierships kind of calibre now, I don't know. I've got to be honest, I've only ever, I've watched quickly before this, the same kind of scouting research we do for every podcast. I watched a YouTube video. Oh, mate, he looks like a real player. And I think he, he would sit in that kind of, he's a holding role more player, from what I understand. If he's a free transfer, like you say, from the 1st of July, I didn't even realise he was a free transfer. So that makes him even more exciting a prospect. If we can grab someone like that and then as we'll come on to in a few moments, the, a bit of a war chest for transfers. We can real add some depth and quality. I mean, I'd take him in a heartbeat. Another player that's played under Valerian Ishmael at Barnsley was DK, the upfronter, the American upfronter, plays for Orlando City and I believe has returned to them now. Any thoughts on him, guys? Yeah, I think he'd be 
pretty decent signing. Looking at his Wikipedia page, looks as though he scored nine goals in 19 appearances. Got to look at Wikipedia. Uh, Barnsley. I don't want to hear anything unless it's off Wikipedia about a player. <laughs> yeah, so I think he'd be all right if we can get hold of him. I don't know if he's been linked with us as like an easy article because he's, mm. he's going to follow, like a number of players might follow Ishmael to the baggies. I always think about that because they said, uh, well, Barnsley haven't got a massive budget anyway. Has he just gone some for someone in his budget? I know he scored nine goals, but he overachieved last season under Valerian, didn't they, Ishmael? Mm. He might be not looking at that type of striker. He might be looking for the next striker up, which fits yeah. his system. Yeah, I think the fact of the matter is, whatever whether it's DK or not, we need a number nine style strike. We have players that are going to score goals in the championship. I'm confident of that. Callum Robinson, Carlin Grant, Dean Garner, Pereira if he stays. But we don't have kind of a number nine. We'll definitely be looking at players like that. A couple more players that we've been linked with. Sam Klukas, we were linked with him a few years ago, I believe. He's now 30 and there's a price floating around of 3 million. Any thoughts on Klukas? I'd have him. He's a, he's a decent player. He's been well, around. Fight him. <laughs> I'll have him. <laughs> Ginger's a versus Ginger. <laughs> no, he, he, he seems he seems all right. To be fair, he's a good squad player to have. If he's only going for three million, we need someone in the centre. We've only got Jake Livermore and Romain Sawyer. He's better than them, so I'd have him. Yeah, I think I'd have him as a, a squad option. I don't think he'd be a starter for me, but I think he'd be good to have around the changing room. Not block party tricks and doing <laughs> the, the quiz, but style, like, yeah. <laughs> but with his experience, I think he'll. You know, he's an old head now, isn't he? Well, if he's not too intimidated by Joe, then yeah, it sounds like he could be a nice addition to the squad. Another little rumour that's been floating around us in a few bits and pieces on Instagram while we've been recording the co- uh, the podcast today. The cod past, I nearly said. Matty Longstaff from Newcastle, one of the brothers, Sean Longstaff and Matty Longstaff. I've seen bits and pieces of him. Never stood out to me, really, as a player that would get me excited, get me up off a seat. But maybe stepping down to the championship, I don't know. What do you guys think? I don't think he's had a chance because his brother's always been the one who gets into the Newcastle starting lineup, isn't he? He's the one who's always talked, uh, spoke about. He maybe need that chance. He needs that chance to come to the championship and show what he's made out of. He's another ginger, so we can have a double ginger in the middle, a triple threat. Him and Clue, yeah, him <laughs> and Clucas, and we we sorted. Yeah, a triple threat match between Sam Clucas, Matty Longstaff, and Joe. Yeah, Robin is on Joe. Yeah, I'll back you. I'll for, back the, you. For, the, for the listeners who haven't seen Joe before, he's, he's, he's huge. He's got massive muscles, built like a brick house. <laughs> That's true, that is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's Quite good. the opposite, but... All right, what else? I was supposed to say something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to create this image of Joe that people are, like, scared of him in the future. <laughs> Like people think I'm blind. We don't want to mess with the Hawthorns debate club. They'll never, <laughs> never, never doubt your Wikipedia knowledge ever again. The THDC. Yeah, the THDC. The thing about Matty Longstaff and Sean Longstaff, I'm always a bit worried that we get the rubbish brother in a footballing kind of exchange. The Willock brothers spring to mind. We, I feel like we got the the worst brother. I know there's a third brother. I think isn't there ever Willock? But we won't yeah. talk about him. But I feel like out of the two brothers, we got the weaker one. And now you got me and Joe. And I'm scared of Joe because Joe's six foot eight. And uh, all right, then here's a question for you two: Who's Gary and who's Phil? Out of me and Joe. <laughs> yeah. I feel like Joe's much more likely to take on a role coaching women's football than I am. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I feel like I'm more of a Gary. Who's the oldest? Gary. Gary. Yeah. Who's the better looking? I'll be Phil. They're both four farmers. <laughs> <laughs> well, this like analogy just doesn't work at all. <laughs> uh, I'll be Gary for my forensic clinical understanding of the game and analysis. And I think that that's obvious, really. Is he managing oh, no, into Miami now? Who's that? Sorry. Yeah. Phil Neville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just, yeah, he just, yeah. yeah, well, he's had a good career, to be fair. Yeah. And finally, in players leaving the club news, we have a rumor story that's a rumor story that started up around Sam Johnson being linked with a move to Wolves. Rue Patricio has been linked with a move away to Roma to join Jose Mourinho. And we have been left with a story that Sam Johnson might be a target of Wolves. We were price tagging the area of £18 million, which kind of fits the bill with most people's valuation. But Wolves, where do we stand there? 
I don't mind. It's not a striker, is he? He's not going to haunt us, is he? No, he's doing the rounds, isn't he, in the Midlands. Mm. So he'll be at Birmingham City after this. So 18 million, I'd, I'd take it, but I don't think it's a good idea to sell to our local rivals and potentially like football rivals as well in seasons to come. I think with Johnson, I, I don't mind if we do sell him to Wolves, I think. And you see, even saying that now aloud, I, I disagree with myself. I kind of don't want to give him a leg up at all. I think Johnson is a, a really good goalkeeper and the fact that he could be England's number one, I don't know. If we could sell him to someone else for 18 million, I think that would be my preference. Um, but I do think that we need to make sure we get the 18 million. And if the only team that are stumping up the cash is the dingles down the road, then perhaps we need to do a bit of business with the devil there. Let's move on to some other exciting stories that broke today. Obviously, not just Valerian Ishmael coming to join the club, but the fixture list came out to play as well. Lots of this bouncing around social media, people picking out some of the key games for this season. I guess there's always a few dates that leap out when we look at the fixture list, the start, the end, Christmas fixture schedule or the Boxing Day and New Year's Day games. Uh, I know some people like to see what game falls around their birthday and various other things. Guys, you got anything that's leapt out to you about the fixture list this season? I always look, because I live in Sheffield, I always look for the local teams, but there's not so much anymore. Because well, Robert, you, you're not worried now about fans travelling all out to Sheffield now to potentially get sight of you, revealing where yeah, you live? No. Yeah, well... I'm a big I'm a big guy. <laughs> <laughs> they might have more people coming now. <laughs> yeah. No, I always look for uh, teams around Sheffield, and uh, I was a bit annoyed that Robram went down or Sheffield Wednesday. Well, I don't like Sheffield Wednesday because they're very they act like Villa. They always speak about the past when they were in the Premiership and all that. There's about four fixtures. I always look for the away team. So Huddersfield Town, I haven't been to the. I don't know if they called the John Smith Stadium anymore, is it? Well, well, we'll go with the John Smith Stadium. Barnsley away, that might be a good one for uh, Valerian. Go yeah, that's that's right. 18th, of De- 18th of December. And then if it is Derby, we don't know if it's Derby, it could be Wickham, is the Christmas, uh, the Boxing Day fixture, which would be Derby away. And then 9th of February, Sheffield United away. So they're the ones that I always look out for. I think when the EFL produced this list, and there's obviously this big point of interest about it with Wickham and Derby and the kind of uncertainty that exists over those two clubs, that rather than putting Wickham slash Derby, they should have put... Wickenby, 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 yeah. or Durkham. But well, Wickenby sounds far better than Durkham. I know. I disagree. I think Durkham. <laughs> All right. Well, Alex, in, in your analysis of the fixture list, you can use Durkham, but listeners, I will be using Wickenby. <laughs> there we go. We've we've justified the name now, so we can carry on. <laughs> Uh, what stands out to you about the list? What do you make of our opening fixture? So when I first look at a fixture list, I just look at the start and the end. And um, looking at the start of the fixture list, a bit of a baptism of fire with AFC Bournemouth. Um, I think that'll be a really tough game for us. Ooh. Bournemouth spent last year in the championship. So yeah, I think that'll be really tough for the lads, especially what with a new manager, potentially new squad. And then a couple of games after that, Luton, Sheffield United, Blackburn. It's going to be a tough start, but hopefully by the end of those games, we'll get a bit of a feel about how the season's going to go. Uh, so that's quite good. And then towards the end of the season, don't look that bad, to be honest. I think we've got quite a, a straightforward run in where we can pick up points. None of the teams are sticking out to me as being title contenders. And then Barnsley at the end, be an interesting fixture if, if we're looking to get three points on the last game of the season. Valerian back at Barnsley. You know, Barnsley playing quite well last year. Maybe they'll do the same again this year. So that could be a really interesting fixture. No, I think I think the same thing stood out to me, stood out to you, Al, is that the introduction to the season certainly seems to be on the more difficult end of the spectrum, I guess. And I'm I'm a great believer in momentum in football. And I think one of the things that has caused us to become unstuck over recent seasons is having really difficult starts to seasons and kind of finding ourselves not cut adrift at any stage, but already behind teams that are likely to finish in similar positions to us. And I think when you win a first few games of a season, it cultivates, it energises the fan base, it kind of motivates the team. Could this be the year and this, that and the other? So I think it is nice to get an easy run of games to kick off your season so you can really press on. I don't know whether these set fixtures that we've been handed necessarily fall under that I mean if we do take nine points from nine points of the first three games that would be remarkable I think there's every realistic chance that we we go really far at this season however I would have liked the games to be a little bit more gentle is that fair I mean 
to, to, to go to like the old cliche, it's like the same as the Premiership, and I think the Championship is becoming a, a lot more lower is that there's no easy games in the Championship. Mm. I don't think you'll have teams that are fighting against relegation, and you'll have teams that are playing for playoffs, teams that are playing for automatic. So I, I think it's becoming a, a more and more difficult league to compete in. And you've also got the pile-up of fixtures in the Championship, haven't you? There's much more games. I know there's only four more teams in the Premiership, but that obviously means that there's what, six more games a season? Is that right? Yes. Look at us all doing the maths there. Remarkable. Well done, everyone. I could could hear the cogs turning. Yeah. We're still going wrong. (laughs) (laughs) We got that right, surely. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. There's 38 in the Premiership. Uh, Is it 44, 44 46? Championship. 46. 46, so it's Uh, 8 We have got it wrong. That's it. Uh, people have already turned off listening to us do maths <laughs> on the podcast, so I won't worry too. Well, if they want to listen to maths, they should go and listen to a, a podcast on maths. I feel like we cover maths every week. I think our intellects are more than capable of dishing out football analysis and mathematical problem-based solving and whatnot. Who knew that fixture list could be as exciting as this? But I think the thing with all of these <laughs> fixtures is that there is a... Some... No sarcasm there at all. <laughs> some of them, obviously, are possibly going to be moved, Sky Sports and moving to Fridays and stuff like this. So if you've got all of your, your dates set to go, be ready and waiting for Sky Sports to pick us because we're so exciting this year. I think... We've discussed the Albion now, everything we wanted to talk about. Is there anything else burning on your guys' chests about the Albion? Basically, we were talking about transfers before, weren't it? And Athletic have just released an article saying we're interested in, uh, in signing Mowat. So we're on, we're on the ball. Breaking you know what news. I'd, you know yeah, what I like about de- Mowat? He's got the same name as a champagne, hasn't he? That's Mowat. Mowat. It's close. <laughs> I mean, I, I, my knowledge of like French sparkling wine is limited, but um, I'm going to go with you on that, Al. Yeah, maybe we'll get you a bottle sometime, Jamie. 100th episode, we can get you a bottle of Moe. Oh, I can't believe that we're on six episodes already. What What about a bottle of Moe to celebrate our seventh episode? <laughs> Doesn't work like that, I'm afraid. You have to earn it in my this bad. world. You have to earn your way in this world, mate. <laughs> Tough love. All right, then. Let's finish off our podcast today by talking a little bit about the Euros. Um, Obviously, since we last spoke, England have played two games, a nil-nil stalemate draw where Scotland won nil-nil against England. Um, And then obviously we beat Czech Republic, or as Alex has kindly put in our notes, Alex, please explain. So Czech Republic, I think a couple of years ago, two two or four years ago, said that... um, (laughs) They'd like to be known as Czechia, but the rest of the world just weren't having any of it. So they're still called Czech Republic, although it's like trying to create your own nickname, which just doesn't yeah. work. 100%. You can't choose your own nickname. Czech Slovakia down there. Well, I mean, that, that's going back in time, man. But uh, Czechia, totally agree with Alex. You can't pick your own nickname. So I'm glad the rest of the world stood up for what is common sense on the playground and common sense in reality as well. But we beat them 1 0, whatever they're called. The Czech Republic, Sterling. Scored again, our goals, our only goal scorer at the competition, um, and that put us through the group stages. And it's been revealed that we'll be playing Germany uh, five o'clock next Tuesday. What have you guys made of the last week of the Euros? Anything stood out to you about England's performances? If anything stood out to you about England's performances at all, that would be remarkable because they were fairly incidentless. Yeah, I'm going to go. On. I don't like I said before, England are boring to watch. But I think Gareth Southgate, I think it was actually, I think Alex mentioned about Italy is defense is where you win games. Even though we've got a weak defense, we play very, very tight. We play risk averse. And I think Gareth Southgate has got it right. I think the, some of the players aren't clicking yet. Kane looks sluggish. Jack Greedish looked brilliant when he came on, even though he's played for Villa. And to be fair, Saka was absolutely outstanding. He was. It was mm-hmm. direct. Yeah, it's awesome. It was really, really good. But yeah, Kane looks sluggish. So people aren't really clicking. But I think having Damien Rice, as I like to call him now, <laughs> and <laughs> and Phillips in front of the defence, I think we're we're fine. I think we might not score many goals and it may be boring. But we got seven points in the groups, which is all right, to be honest. Yeah, they're boring. They've always been boring. I don't know. I don't understand why people 
expect any different. We've always been boring. We I never guess win the games. reason why people expect something different this season, though, is that so often throughout kind of the golden generation, there's kind of this real nice balance to the squad. Like you had Rio Ferdinand and John Terry and really strong defensive players, as well as Wayne Rooney and Steven Gerrard. There was like a kind of a spine through the team that you could see. This time round, with the current crop of players, we're so obviously imbalanced in terms of where the strength lies. Our upfront, our attacking options are just remarkable, startling, world-class elite players. Defensively speaking, we have players like Tyrone Mings competing for a space. For me, the disparity there is remarkable. And I think one of the things that I guess is upsetting about watching England the way we're currently playing, and I appreciate there's this real kind of like, well, it gets the job done mentality. And that's fine. I agree. I only think it'll take us so far anyway. But I think when you have this kind of such an overwhelming strength and you, you don't play in which way that kind of maximizes that strength and you kind of play this really cautious, hesitant style of football against what in reality I think are going to turn out to be relatively weak Croatia, Scottish and Czechia sides. I, I think that we're, we're going to get found out pretty early on that, although we're cautious, we're not actually defensively sound because I can remember a few chances for Scotland and the Czech Republic against us. I'm worried, to be honest, about Germany. The one thing I will say about the style of football, and I don't just want to go on about just bashing Southgate because I know it's boring to listen to. It. It's as boring as watching football, listening to people bash Southgate. I remember watching the game when Leeds lost to Manchester United by six and someone said about Marcelo Bielsa, who I absolutely love, Marcelo Bielsa. I love the style of play. It's so aggressive. It's so direct. And someone said that Marcelo Bielsa had discovered a way of playing football that made losing acceptable. Whereas I think Gareth Southgate has discovered a style of football that makes winning barely tolerable. <laughs> like, it's... Yeah. It's so hard to watch and it's just a shame because you've got players like, I don't know what Jaden Sancho has to do to get into the England starting lineup. I was listening to some conversations in Germany. I just, they are absolutely baffled as to how this guy doesn't make it into our starting lineup. We've got loads of good wingers though, that's the problem. And Saka has claimed his place now, hasn't they? Really, he should have because he was quality. He was back in the defence, helping out down there. Jack Grealish, I don't think you can, the European players or European nations won't know that all the players on their team will know how to deal with Jack Grealish and Gareth Southgate wants to have set pieces even though the delivery by Luke Shaw was atrocious on um, what day was it well when we played uh, Chechia Sunday. Um, yeah it was just awful and I think he mentioned that in his post-match uh, conference that our delivery was bad and that's where we're going to score most of the goals having Mings or Maguire or Stones and Kane in there and which Tuesday sorry <laughs> <laughs> Don't apologise, yeah. mate. Don't apologise. You're forgiven. But yeah, it's just I just think yeah, he's boring. If he, he wins, blinks every too game, much as well. Southgate blinks way too he, much. If he wins every game, if he beats Germany one nil, beats whoever we get after that and wins it all one nil, who's complaining? It's a game one. It's a tournament one. No one's complaining, are they? No, I don't actually mind Southgate. I mean, I think it's mission accomplished. Got through the group stage unbeaten. Yeah, we haven't scored that many goals, but we ain't conceded any. People use the, the term like, balance in football quite quite a lot. And I think at the moment, you probably say that, you know, the scales are slightly tipped towards a more defensive style. Some might say a bit like, like a Pulis style, but perhaps against like the better teams, that balance will sort of change uh, and the scales will tip more towards the attacking and perhaps we'll find that equilibrium what we need to, to win it I'm totally with you too that you're beating teams like Croatia Czech Republic drawing to Scotland it doesn't fill your confidence when you're going to play teams like Germany France Portugal uh, Italy even Wales to be honest with you it doesn't fill you with a huge amount of kind of yeah you know we're going to win this easy just to kind of move away from England I would really love to see a team like obviously if England don't win it like and I will kind of I'll, I'll, I'll eat my kind of words about Southgate. If we do go on to win this by playing kind of really cautious football, I, I will kind of say, well, I mean, it's obvious that Gareth Southgate knows more than me about football anyway, but I will say, I'll admit that publicly or whatnot. But I would love to see a team like Italy or the Netherlands win it because I think that attacking creative football should be rewarded. 
I think that should be the ideal. I think the fact that everyone goes, well, you know, cautious defensive football wins you tournaments and then they cite like France and Greece and even further back like Denmark and teams like this who have won tournaments by playing attritional Mourinho Pulis style football. And I just, I, I hate to see that type of football rewarded. I, I want to see it punished brutally by Italian dominance. You know what, Jamie? It sounds as though Ishmael is just your man. Like you're talking about Bielsa earlier as well. You know, it sounds like you know you're talking out of his handbook. So I think hopefully he'll fill up to this uh, pressing style, direct style. You know, we can really enjoy, and he plays like enjoying football far, far away from the the Pulis days. You know, start to see a team try. I want Belgium to win. Definitely. It's the golden generation. Next, maybe they'll be there at uh, the World Cup, but De Bruyne, Eden Hazard, Lukaku, I'd love it. Lukaku won the World Cup. He still loves the Albion. He always, uh, you know, he tweets about every so often about the Albion. And I just think they deserve it because they, they play number one in the world. Come on, mm. they've just got to win something, haven't they? I do like, I've watching them at the link up play between Lukaku and Kevin De Bruyne. They have scored some awesome goals. I guess the, the question to kind of come towards the end of the podcast today, what do you think about our chances against Germany in the round of 16? I think we'll win. Yeah, I think we'll win. I, I mean, historically, we don't do very well against the Germans, do it's we? But... Coming home. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to bring Emil Heskey on and we're going to win. Nothing no, says think... we've got this game sewn up like bringing on Emil Heskey with 10 minutes to go. One of my favourite sayings in football ever. <laughs> no, I just think Germany, I know they've played some good, uh, like they beat Portugal, but I don't think Germany are as good as they are. I think people are saying, oh, I'd rather play Portugal than Germany. No way. No. Portugal have got some brilliant players in their team. They've got young, brilliant players who can play the whole match. The German team's old. Uh, old. They've got obviously got some youngsters in there, but they haven't got a, the depth on the bench like we have, which is good, to be fair. I think that's where, where we could win some games on the depth of the bench mm. compared to other teams. Short of Hungary, I think Germany would be the next option out of those. Even France haven't looked amazing, to be honest, but I do think they've got more to come. Absolutely. I totally agree about France. I think they've got like gears hidden that they are going to unveil over the rest of this tournament. I don't think they've been hard pressed really in any game. And I think, I mean, we haven't even really seen Mbappe yet. And I think he's got things to come. I honestly think that, you know, like Inception, where you plant an idea in someone's dream and stuff. I think that Southgate's done that with the British media about his tactical genius. And I think that when we beat Germany, it will kind of validate it even more. But the reality of it is, is I think we've just got a better team than Germany. I don't think it's going to be some sort of like masterclass in tactics that's going to be. I reckon if we just match them up, we should beat them. I think we've got one of the strongest squads in the tournament. I don't think we've got the strongest. I don't think we'd necessarily just win it outright. Um, I don't think we're like entitled to that even. Have they got goal line technology in this uh, tournament? Remember Frank <laughs> Lampard's uh, shot? It was like two, two feet over the line. Yeah, yeah. Still traumatised by it, mate. What's been your game of the tournament so far then? Have you guys been watching much of it? Have you have you had a game that stood out? Like I said last uh, episode, anything with Hungary has been brilliant. Like, literally so good. Oh, he scored. Your and, mate scored, didn't he? The diving Eddie yesterday. Oh, the, the big guy. Yeah, yeah he did. He's, 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 he's the wrestler. Yeah. Stick together, don't they, the big guys? Yeah. 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 <laughs> 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 no, but I think Hungary have opened up teams and they've just gone on the attack. And if they lose, they lose. I was so hoping Hungary won. But to be fair, actually, talk about that. I'd probably rather not play Hungary because I think they would have run us ragged, to be honest. And we probably would have lost to Hungary and it would have been like the Iceland again. So I'm happy with Germany. Deutschlander. Alex, what's been your game of the tournament so far? All right. So my game would be Netherlands against Macedonia. I just really enjoyed watching. Uh, Holland passed the ball around Wijnaldum. Yeah, so good. Brilliant. Man. Yeah, so that, that would go down as my favourite so far. I've loved watching that Wijnaldum and that Luke de Jong. I haven't watched much of him. I know Barcelona signed him after he had that unbelievable season at Ajax, but he is a player, man. And Memphis Depay. I don't know what's going on at Barcelona. I saw they've signed him as well. They've got Aguero, Messi, Griezmann and Depay. They like, literally look like they're playing ultimate team. My game of the tournament so far, I... I I think, again, because of all the sentiment around Christian Eriksen, the Denmark 4-1 against Russia was a remarkable game. Um, the Christensen yeah. pile-driver goal after two kind of unbelievable stops on the line. It was just, yeah, 
circle for like Denmark. I think they're actually a pretty good side actually as well. I think that game against Wales is going to be really good on Saturday actually. So, but I think that's probably for the emotion of the game and what it meant to everyone and how football can like be really special at times and it can mean a lot to people. And I think that game kind of really just encapsulated that. So perhaps just quickly to end our conversation about the Euros today, I'm going to ask you guys for two predictions each. The first prediction I want from you, um, and this will be documented and you will be analysed based on your performance with this prediction. I want to score for the Germany game next Tuesday. I'll go first. Uh, I'm going to go 1-0 in extra time to England. Sterling. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think think it'll be someone like Jadon Sancho. Okay, cool. Nice. Al? I reckon we'll beat Germany 3-0. that is bold (laughs) I know it's bold but I reckon you know I think we're going to really turn on wow a few people it's going to be like the the 5-1 victory yesteryears it's going to be like the 5-1 victory except the different scoreline I'm going to (laughs) be I'm going to pick oh goodness me I can't see anything other than 1-0 Harry Maguire header that's why in normal time yeah I don't want to do penalties. I know people have said that we're much better at penalties nowadays, but I, I don't want to do penalties. We're just uh, the anxiety of it. Since Villa, I can't do it ever again. And the last prediction I want for you is, I think we made predictions at the start. None of us can remember who we said would win the Euros. So this is your chance to kind of change um, your who you think's going to win it, uh, or you can stay the same if you remember. Who's going to win the Euros? Even though I said about Belgium, just uh, uh, I want Netherlands to win. I think uh, it. You think what, mate? <laughs> Say that again, Al. Huh? I think so. Italy are going to win it. <laughs> <laughs> I just want listeners to know how quickly Alex had to say that to get it in before the dog started barking again. Uh, I'm going to say I would love both your picks there, guys. I totally validate those picks. I, I would love for those to be the winners because they're just like I said, all that stuff about attacking football, blah, 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 blah. I think France will still win it. I think they've just got the depth of squad. The, the, the individual players are so brilliant. Uh, and I think they haven't even shown half of what they're capable of yet. So I'm going to stick with my original prediction and say France because I'm dull. And on that note, we will land our podcast. So... All that remains for me to say today on the day that Albion celebrated not just the fixture list coming out, but the appointment of Valerian Ishmael, Guten Tag, Bonjour, Valerian. Um, but all that remains for me to say today is a big thank you to Al. Au revoir. <laughs> a big thank you to Joe. Bye. <laughs> and thank you for downloading and listening to the Hawthorns debate of this week. We'll see you next week. Au revoir as well. <laughs>